Your health is like an equilateral triangle. Hello? Hi, Merlin, man. Hi, Dan. I'm sorry, man. I was Googling a, <laughs> Googling a reference from Toy Story. It's all right. That's okay. Hi, you know I'm Merlin, man. I'm, I'm really famous. I went to Macworld. Everyone knew me. Do you know the, uh, the Tri-County area? Do you, did you know the reference I was talking about? You know the reference I'm talking about? Did you, did you read that in the, in the robot, what I said? Try know the Tri County area yeah, reference. Area. Remember, like when uh, in TS, uh, what's it in TS two? Think you're thinking of TS Elliot? Hmm? Oh, no, I think you're thinking of that uh, movie Mac and Me. It was based on uh, ET. Oh, that's the one with the shiny ship. Um, I think you're thinking of the one where they have the uh, you know Reese's Pieces is the one in ET. Mm-hmm. And what is it that's in? Is it M and M's in? Uh, no, in Snickers bars. <laughs> think you're thinking of Dove bars. Dove bar. <laughs> Fabulous. Remember that though when the pig what's the pig's name? Pig? What's his name? Uh what's, what's Fats. His name? I call him Fats. Hmm. Quiet musical hog. What's his real name? The pig. No, why am I spacing on his name? That's really embarrassing. Remember when he says, like, ah, eh, there's some no, no, license plates in the Tri-County area. And what I'm saying, per our talk in the robot 90 seconds ago, mm-hmm. is I like the fact we're talking about cheers in the robot, and I was saying how I like that the John Ratzenberger character makes some Cliff Clavin-style references. I think, that's thinking, really I think you're thinking of Ham. Ham! Boom! Exactly. Isn't that the guy that's in Mad Men? What's his name? I haven't seen that show. I think you're thinking of uh, The Wire. Uh, never seen it. Uh, you ever seen Between Two Ferns with uh, Zach Galifianakis? Yes, love it. It's my two recommended ones. Number two, I recommend John Ham, And number one, Charlize Theron. It'll change the way you think about Charlize Theron. Maybe one of the funniest things I've ever seen. You know, did you, did you see yeah, the one Tim with the Natalie Natalie Portman? Oh, is that the one with the with the, the little dog? Oh my god, <laughs> she has the sexiest vein in her forehead. We were watching wow. uh, we were watching episode three again today. There's yeah. got to be a Tumblr about the vein in her forehead. Have you ever noticed it before? It's I very never, prominent. Never really she went to an Ivy League school. That's a very costly vein. Hmm. Josh, um, my point being, uh, you know what else I saw? You know what else is out? The uh, you can rent this on the iTunes. The Tim and Eric movie is out. The oh, yeah. movie. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Dobus. Dobus PR. Moving on. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good week? It's been a failure. Huge week. Oh, God. This has been a big week. It's been a fat, wide, super wide, Brooklyn Heights kind of width. I got nothing. It has been big. I was, yeah, I was at the Mac World. It makes you tired, man. It makes you super tired. Yeah. Do you get tired at those? You don't go to tons of these, but don't you ever feel like ground down? As fun as it is, like it makes, it makes me very I feel tired. Like, I feel like I'm worn down to a nub at the end. <laughs> I feel like half a nub. I feel like an eye nub. <laughs> that's, a, that's the Mac version of the nub. I'm still not super comfortable with the name. It's got a pipe in it. I've talked to several people about this, about the pipe. I talked to Brett Terpster about it. You know, there's a pipe in the name. If you run, if you run Macworld pipe iWorld through the terminal, you know what you get? Error. <laughs> Error. You've got to have the uh, standard out. <laughs> if you're not close enough to the metal, anything you do with the pipe is going to cause problems. Because anywhere you have a pipe, you have a wrench. Right? When, you know, when all you have not, is a wrench, everything looks like a screw. That's Stallman that said that. It's under GPL. You can't say that. If We, if we have a sponsor on the show, so you're not allowed to say that this okay. week. Okay. I'll start over. <sighs> Macworld's fun. It's a lot. There's a lot going on. You know, like I told you before on our man call, like I feel like I don't sleep enough. We talked about this, Dan. Food and sleep, sleep and food. If you're not getting enough, you're going to get weird. 
And you agreed with me on that, did you not? Oh, totally. And I think we were saying that it, it seems to get, there's something happens. Mm-hmm. I was saying in my, uh, you know, mid to late 30s, like 37, something seems to change. And it goes from like, before that, if you miss some sleep, if you didn't get some sleep for, you know, you might not feel great, but you're all right. And now, then something happens. And then it just all hell breaks loose. Can I risk, can I risk oversimplifying this by giving you three ages, 25, 37, and 40? 25 was where you go, oh, I'm so old. Oh, oh, oh. Pretty soon I'll be making noises when I do things. It's really, really funny. 37, you start making noise when you stand up. And 40, you start making a noise when you sit down. Real funny, 25. Enjoy it while you can. Will you yeah. turn the corner, you know? What do you, what do you pop the tray? Hit those 30s, boy. It's a lot less funny. There's still plenty to be scared of. Don't worry. Have fun. You it's are pretty close. old, too. It's weird. I couldn't hear that part because <laughs> of my extreme <laughs> hearing loss. Right. Mandy Patinkin wears a really nice, very tiny hearing aid thing in Homeland when he has to get information from somebody. I think I want one of those. Do you watch the Homeland? Was Mandy Patinkin the guy who played uh, mm-hmm. the, the alien in that movie? I think it's the of Inigo Montoya. No, 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 no. The, Played Anika Montoya. Look it I, up. I know he did. I'm talking about after that. Enemy Mine is the name of that movie. Is that the one? No, the, not Enemy Mine. Is that the face like a butt? Is that, is that Enemy Mine? No, you're thinking of Adventure Time. I'm talking about the movie where they came. The, the whole, all the, it's like a whole ship of aliens. There's oh, like millions of aliens. Right. What? And they all. Oh, they is all, that Stargate? People keep telling me about Stargate. Why no, do you no, know no, about no. Stargate? I met the guy with the fifth most popular Stargate podcast the, the other name day. Of that movie. Hmm? There's, it was a, it, 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 a whole bunch of these aliens come down. Alien Nation. Thank you, Chimpanzee or Tepanzee. Oh, the, the there's chairman. a space in that. Is that him in that? There's an NBSP. And in his that. name yeah. was John Francisco or something. I think there's a good John Forsythe, the guy from uh, Dynasty. Now, is that the one with Linda Evans or was she on Dallas? <laughs> Linda Evans? I hope somebody's writing all this down. Did you notice that Josh has started breaking up the, the, the show into sections? I Have call them this segments. Uh, he's <laughs> offer segments. I like the <laughs> I, I I like several things about that. I like that there's now a way to reference parts of the show, and I also love just the the editorial wherewithal that Josh has to decide when the show makes sense in a slightly different way. He knows. Well, uh, and there's some talk about Linda Evans, and then they got into a thing. Isn't that great? God, I wish something would do with my life. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what this show was. It should help so much, Dan. It is, it is existential spackle for me. Just slapping on the wall and hoping the tiles don't fall. Um, Macworld was fun. It was a lot of fun. What'd you what do, do you, out there? What do you do out there? Guy I like did you. two things. The, uh, I did, the, uh, did a couple things, but I did a lot of walking around. There's, uh, there are a lot of sluts giving things away. Oh, ready? Here's my new favorite scary slut thing. Is like There's a, like a, like two very, very attractive African-American women in their like, 20s wearing like very close to like Batgirl outfits, like shiny purple outfits. And of course, they pretend that they like you because that's what you do when you, when you work at these things. And I don't know what the company is, like some company that's going to fail soon, I'm sure. They hired these African-American ladies to, to, who are super cute, like crazy cute. And you walk up to them and they're wearing a purple suit. And they're like, hey, you want to get a photo with me? And like they turn around and you could take a picture of you next to their ass. Would you like a picture with my juicy purple ass? And, and so, and so Fatty, Mc, you know, Fatty McDotProfile goes, of course I would. And the, here's the thing. She's got a QR code on her buttock. So when you get a photo, when your fat face gets to her next to her juicy ass, you've got a QR code so your buddies can scan, scan that. 
find out a little more about the product. Oh my god, Dan! So that's the you're, that's what MacWorld is like. How do you know when you hit rock bottom? I mean, is there like a sound? <laughs> Brett Terpstra uh, scanned. You know, everybody gets a QR code on their on their thing now. By the way, the perfect perfect size to cover with the Merlin Man So Angry sticker, which I gave away a lot of. Uh, but you scan that QR code, and it takes you to a place where you can download an app. doesn't really tell you what it's for. Super weird. Pipes. Give me a break. <sighs> pipes are important, though, right, in the Unix? Yeah, you need a pipe. You need a but pipe. sometimes pipes mean or, right? Uh, two pipes together, or. Now, what about in the Pearl? Uh, I don't write but Pearl, but I'm pretty sure it's two pipes together. Okay. Yeah, you could probably find out, but you wouldn't be able to read it. Well, you'd write it once and, and never read it again. You give oh, it. You, it's like it's like when Java? you give. If you bake, <laughs> if you bake a cake and you give that to somebody else, you don't two weeks later come back and say, "I want the cake back." They've eaten it, and that's how it is with Pearl. You write the Pearl, and once it's written, you've given it to Pearl. You don't get it back. Also, if you put an RSA encryption key on it and give it to someone in England, you're technically a felon. <laughs> that's a Pearl joke. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Who are you talking to? I'm not talking to you. I had an idea for today's show. We should talk about other stuff first. We, should, we haven't talked about you, Dan. What about your needs? How are you? Huh? Fine. Good. Good. We got a lot going on. Enough about problems. me now? We've communicated three different ways today, at least. No, wait a minute. We've communicated f- four different ways today. Four different ways. All, all electronically, though. Oh, that's super creepy. You refuse to visit, so all like, like we didn't like take a ride and give each other a handy. Like, that's because I still haven't met you. You understand? I've never met you. Yeah. I don't know who you are. Everybody thinks all the podcasters live in a big stupid treehouse together, you know? And I think that's, that's really only true for Syracuse and Gruber. They like to decorate together. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> you got anything you want to talk about? This week? Any week. No. You're just conduit, right? Here's the pipe. <laughs> I just channel the energy and you receive it. Did you buy a... Uh... Mm-hmm. Mm. A big, a big buy... one, pretty big one. Did you buy a soda stream? Oh, no, no. I couldn't figure out which one to get, so I got nothing. Are you kidding me? We talked about guitars. Yeah, and but I told you I didn't. I didn't minutes. like the one that you said to get. It looks old and looks weird. It looks like a fake chrome on it. I don't like that. There's a Wikia page just on the truck. Wikia, Wikia. That's uh, <clears throat> that uh, Jimmy Wales guy. Well, he's got his own business. Boy, don't get the Wikipedia people mad. Oh, I, you know, I listened to part of the episode where Syracuse had talked about that. Those guys are jackals. You don't want to mess. Now, see, now that I say that, I'm sure I'm going to get uh, marked for deletion again. Oh, do, you have a, do you have a Wikipedia page? I got marked for deletion a lot of times. I Let's can't believe see. it stayed up as long as... Oh, Jesus, no. Don't Merlin talk about man. Don't Look at that. It's a good picture of you. Thank you. My friend Graham did that. Can Gosh, I, can you're talk? old. 1966. Shut up. Is this talk, right? Stop talking about me. Please stop talking about me. I like when they refer to you by your last name. Man. Here's my idea for today's topic. You want to hear it? Yeah, sure. Go okay. ahead, Carl. Remember our conversation, our third to the last conversation, like 20 minutes ago? Mm-hmm. 20 minutes ago. Okay. Remember what we were talking about? We won't talk about it here, but you remember what we were talking about? How good you look in leather pants? Mm-hmm. The super tight ones. <laughs> no, tighter. Not that tight. <laughs> uh, and do you remember what we talked about on AD last time about the $500 trip? $500 and, trip. And if you yes, followed me on Twitter, where I'm super annoying, you'd see some toots I had this morning. You know what I think we should talk about? Two words. You ready? Mm. True costs. Mm. I think we should talk about the true cost of things. That's a great topic. It's kind of a good you topic. You came up with that after we hung up the phone before the show started? Oh, uh, no. I stole it from Stalin. Oh. Yeah. He called it. It's, it's a backronym. <laughs> true costs are not true. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's the stupidest thing I've ever said. I hope. Uh, so here's what I meant. So that, uh, being a little bit oblique, Dan and I were talking about, you know, you know how I hate talking about money stuff because I'm terrible at talking about money stuff. I don't like talking about real money. And even on the show, I'm not really comfortable talking about like even make believe theoretical money. Right. I don't love that. But yeah. you know, you want to talk about like what it, what it costs to do something and like what you're willing to do for like a certain amount of money. I think that's an interesting topic. Uh, last week we were talking about, you know, the kind of offers that I get from people to do speaking things and how it's kind of hard sometimes to, without sounding like a giant dick, to, to communicate like there's actually more cost to what you're asking for than is immediately apparent, either actual or perceived cost. Mm. You know, like, you know, uh, anyway, like, you know, I, let's get back to that. And then finally, uh, today I was making jokes about, uh, you know, now there's all this hue, the hue and cry now about how people want a sustainable and ethical iPhone, which is a fantastic idea, as long as you don't mind paying $10,000 for an iPhone. Mm. Same way that like, you know, I, this is not, I'm, I don't mean this as a classist thing, but everybody spews all this stuff because they, they go to Whole Foods and they buy some kale and, and they think they're Jesus. And it's like, do you have you any idea like how much of the things in your life, like milk and fuel and plastic from that fuel and like all of these things, it's like, it's turtles all the way down if you start paying the true cost of things. You know, there's even the larger false economy of how the, in my opinion, how the United States has conducted itself over the last 60 years. We skated on a lot of goodwill in the Marshall Plan, farted a lot of it away in the last 10 years. <laughs> I was going to get letters. But in each case, I think it's interesting to talk about the two true costs. What is the true cost of iceberg lettuce? What is the true cost of us getting a sponsor? or them getting a spot here? What is the true cost of me going to another continent? And what is the true cost of the work that you do? Whether you are any of the characters we've talked about, right? Whether you're Dan or Merlin starting out and like just screaming, I'll work for anybody. Whether you're somebody who's growing and suddenly has to start going, oh my gosh, I've taken on more work than I can do and I didn't ask enough money. What's the true cost of that? What's the true cost of trying to make a career leap into something really different? Should you start charging a lot less than you did for your other thing? And so on and so on and so on. I don't know. I think it's weirdly related to a lot of stuff we've talked about, if you think it's interesting. Um, I mean, we don't talk about all that whole food stuff, even though I think it's interesting personally. But um, what would you think of that? True costs. Uh, true costs. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. I I never know what to say at this juncture. This is the point where there's like a, a new paragraph or something. Mm. You know, it's the end of act one. We're finally getting that part that you're always talking about where I start actually talking about it. Mm -hmm. So like... It's my favorite part of the show. Hmm. I thought it was like when we ended the show was probably your favorite part. Second favorite. Hmm. 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 Okay. Just had a lot there. You know, there's a lot of subsidies. You know about the subsidies? This is when you when you want to buy a phone, they sell the the phone for a penny, and then mm -hmm. the carrier takes the the rest of the cost and pays that to the manufacturer of the phone. But then if you yes. break the agreement, then you have well, to you basically have to pay out so they don't lose all the money. I, to my knowledge, yes, and, and I just want to always you know stay here. I am neither a technologist nor an economist. I just know what I read in Harper's. So. <laughs> That's pretty much it. That's the kind of thing Mark Twain would throw away. He'd throw away and let like that. He'd think about it and then he'd throw it out. Uh, but yeah, there's subsidies with phones, right? <clears throat> the only way that your iPhone doesn't cost what? What's the one you bought? It's like six, six or seven hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. So if you buy that unlocked, that's and that you know I, I, I guess they'll make money on that at Apple, right? 
like an iPad is a lot cheaper to make than they sell it for, right? right? We don't we don't know the exact numbers, but there's always a company that will come and figure out the cost of the components or components, as you say, components, you say, yeah, see if there's you know what the actual cost would be to buy them and perhaps assemble them. And in some cases, it's closer than you might think to the actual retail cost. But like you're saying with the iPad, I think there's there's a nice margin of profit there. Yes, and this gets into in the um, world of business. This gets into a lot of interesting ideas. Like I'm always ranting about, you know, <laughs> like today talking about. Uh, I'm not like a, I'm not like a huge counselor follower, but I'm very interested in the idea. Yeah, peak oil, but specifically in the idea of like the number of industries that are dependent on oil not being expensive. Like I'm really fascinated by that. And the one that really gets me is, you know, I got to say things that are made out of plastic, things that come over on a boat from China that ran on cheap oil, carrying a bunch of plastic stuff made out of cheap oil. Like Walmart, you know, Walmart would not have the same business model they did if oil weren't cheap. And as oil becomes less cheap, which it probably will, unless they can find a new way to make plastic crap, it's going to get crazy. But like for right now, Walmart, you talk about subsidies, you can talk about things like loss leaders. Like Walmart is okay to go, you know, uh, you can get this, uh, whatever, 12-pack of Coke for $0.07 because we know, they have all kinds of ways to know this. They know that people will come in and buy a whole bunch of other stuff. That's how it works. A loss leader is a way of saying, we're willing to even lose money on this thing because we know people will do these other things. In the case of, you know, AT&T or Verizon... I guess, I guess if they made their own phone from scratch, they, they could do well, but they're willing to subsidize the cost of that because of the whatever $2,000 you spend on a contract with them. But there's also subsidies on stuff like corn and milk. This is a pretty hot topic right now because there are these industries uh, in farming, in particular in America, that have been subsidized for so long. You know, corn doesn't really cost what we pay for it. I, I guess probably everybody knows that. You know, milk doesn't really cost what we pay for it. You learn this when you go to other countries and you go, gosh, your corn seems kind of expensive <laughs> or your milk seems pretty costly. And you go, well, that's what it costs here. You have to put it on a truck and drive it places. So for a long time, you know, they're all, I think then they subsidized tobacco at one point in the U.S. Hmm, I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about any of this, but you know what I'm talking about, right? There's all kinds of, there's all kinds of costs that are bought. And, as, you know, as much as I rag on this sort of fleecy sort of liberal who, who pretends to be interested in all of this stuff, well... Luckily, we are getting a little bit smarter about it. We now at least understand that sustainable is better than unsustainable. Green, quote unquote, is better than ungreen, I guess. Mm. But I think these are issues that we all face personally, too, in terms of opportunity cost, right? Um, and, and that's where it gets into the work stuff. I don't want to dwell on all the political stuff I don't understand. But I think it's true in the work stuff, too. And this is something we've talked about on at least half a dozen occasions. Um, you know, if you... If you keep yourself at 100% capacity or even 90% capacity doing not that profitable work, like a lot of really dumb things start to happen. From now you're super busy. And if you haven't charged enough for what you do, you're being stressed out for less than what you're worth. And the horrible irony is you haven't left capacity for good clients now. Right. Right. I talked to somebody the other day. I don't remember who it was, but somebody was telling me that. Um, he gets, he gets nervous. Oh, yeah, it's a mutual friend of ours. And he said he gets nervous if more than N percent of his client base, uh, N percent of his business comes from one client, which I think is a really interesting idea. You know, when you're starting out a business, you really want to have an anchor tenant. We've talked about this, somebody who keeps you afloat while you're kind of bootstrapping your business. But at a certain point, if 80%, 90% of your income comes from this one person, it exposes you to a lot of risk, right? Because you're not staying up to date. You're not bringing in new people. You, you know, when you've got an anchor tenant, 
Uh, you know what I mean by that term? You know that, right? Like an, an like, anchor tenant is somebody who essentially is, I don't want to say carrying your business, but they are providing a, a substantial enough amount that you know that you can kind of rely on them to, to pay the nut. Mm-hmm. And that could be as little as even like 20%. But when you're really scrambling with freelance work, even to have like a solid 20% for a few months is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, a term I learned as a kid, they, my mom would always refer to like Sears or JCPenney or any of the big department stores in a mall where you like buy an entrance. Mm-hmm. You call those anchor stores. Because those stores are hopefully always going to be there. I mean, that could be a pantry pride at an old mall. But the point is, like, it's, you know, people enter through the Sears a lot of the time. They come in through pennies or, you know, um, now, nowadays Target. Those anchor stores are a lot of what attracts people to come to the mall, for example, right? So there aren't that many people that are coming to the custom douchebag sunglasses uh, kiosk or are coming to the buckwheat pillow pavilion. Like they're there to like go to Target and then go to other places. So that's, that's the idea of an anchor. And especially when you're freelancing or, or really when you're anywhere, if you're in any client services, if you're an attorney, if you're a whatever, if you're an attorney, it's really nice to have some big clients that you can count on. But then what do you do? You start making time for them because you wouldn't want to lose them. You start, understandably, I mean, like you and I would, we have certain people who sponsor the show that we love to death. And so we'll do anything we can for them. We yeah. love their money, yeah. but we love, we love working with them too. Um, I wouldn't want them to go away, but I mean, we wouldn't be destroyed, for example, if that happened. And now, for example, if your entire network were sponsored you know, by uh, Captain Kirk's unguent or whatever. And then suddenly Captain Kirk goes tits up and the unguent goes away and so does the money. All of a sudden, you're really exposed. And so even the true cost of a good client can get costly. It, I, I was actually going somewhere with that. So the true, the, the true costs are that everything brings with it a certain amount of, uh, when I say true costs, like what it actually costs to make something, but also what you give away in terms of opportunity cost. So I think that's two interesting ways to look at it. And I think it affects a lot of the stuff we talk about. And I think it affects a lot of our decision-making and our lizard brain, you know, in the sense that we get all these things that tell us, oh, you know, never in a million years would I want to, you know, not take a job. That's the craziest thing in the world. But, you know, if you keep taking jobs where you got talked down on what it's worth, you know, if you've got 100% of that, like, how are you going to grow your business into something more interesting? If you keep taking easy classes... Anyway, I'm just saying. So that's, that's what I wanted to talk about at minute 25. I guess we are talking about it. Which one are you? The second one. Okay. Um, hmm. I, it's, 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 it's embarrassing in first world to talk about this stuff, but I think that's why it's worth talking about. Because God Almighty, it's nice to go closer to the first world rather than further. If you're defining, you know, it's like, uh, like my friend in college used to say, you can't choose to join the proletariat. Like, if you have the option to join the proletariat, tell you what, Johnny, you're not actually in the proletariat. <laughs> the proletariat does not have a safety net and an option. <laughs> I've chosen to be in the 1%. I don't think it works that way. Say something, yeah. I'm just thinking more about how this applies to our audience. I mean... Mm-hmm. Tell me, what, it, what does this have to do with what... I, mean, I don't think most of our audience is like have oil tankers, right? Mm-hmm. I'll give you. I'll give you a. <coughs> pardon me. A, a fairly Dan Benjamin specific example. Something I've heard you cite publicly and privately. Okay. Oh my god. Um. Wow. Dan does all these podcasts I listen to, and that everybody's heard of. It is 
to to quote my friend David Letterman, it's a license to print money. <laughs> All I have to do is show up, you know, uh, I hit a couple buttons, I uh, say something, something, Mac, Syracuse and Pearl, and then I bring literally $10 million a year in. That's all there is to it, right, Dan? That's all you do. You just show up, you hit a show up. button. You just show up, you hit a switch. Nothing to it. I mean, look at those jackals of Squarespace. All they're doing is hosting your website. How easy is that? It's so easy. Right? My case, somebody from a user group in Boston says, Sir, we need you to come and do a 20-minute talk. Uh, our budget is $6. And you go, well, um, that's pretty far for me to drive for $6. And they go, er, we only need you for 20 minutes. And you go, oh, that's lucky because I have this TARDIS here. This should make it nice and easy for me to pop in for exactly 20 minutes and then be back in time to pick my daughter up from school. Or is that actually, is the true cost of that actually at least three to five days of my time? You're rolling your eyes, right? You're rolling your eyes. But if you're super honest, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Dan, do you not know exactly what I'm talking exactly about? Exactly what you're talking about. And that's something that it's, it's a perception problem. It's because people, people generally are, it, you know, this all goes back to the old thing that people would, yeah. would say when they're talking about design, you know, you can have, you can have cheap or you can have fast. You don't get both. And it, it's, that's the perception problem. It, it's people don't really understand. And this is last week for those who didn't hear it. I, you had received some kind of an offer. I don't want to go into too much detail, uh, but let's just say somebody asked me to speak on another continent. Another continent. For, for a lot less than I charged to speak in Silicon Valley. Right. For less than, you know, if, if somebody less wanted it would you cost to cost drive somewhere. Drive somewhere. I wouldn't try. I wouldn't take that before. I wouldn't take, take it. To drive somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know. I, well, why I'm, not? And that's the thing. People don't understand. Why not? It's just he's going to be out anyway. He well, could just so come by a- here. Let's take a bigger step back. Okay. Let's take two. Let's take two steps back. One okay. is, oh my God, <laughs> to paraphrase my friend John Roderick, uh, oh, you should feel super grateful that you get to be in a band. You get to do all this stuff that you love, you know. And, or like in my case, oh my God, somebody wants to give you anything for money. Oh my God, I wish I had your problems. I wish someone would pay me. Okay, well, how about this? How about? I pay you less than you get for three or five days of your time. You buy the ticket. You come out here for 20 minutes. Right. Let's say I pay you for 20 minutes of your time, but you come here for three to five days. Ooh. See, don't be fancy, dude. Just show up. And by the way, buy the ticket. We'll reimburse you, but it might be net 90. Oh, my <laughs> God. I, oh, it's so awesome. If you're right, you've got your own reasons, dude. It's just because I'm here on this stupid podcast that you think I'm fancy. It's just because Dan's sitting here and being relaxed that you think it's easy. You know, I mean... Do you know, remember that old joke? I really must get this right because I tell the joke so much. But, okay, the canonical version of the joke I remember. Syracuse, if you remember this, please give me the right names. But the story goes that, let's just say for the sake of argument, Henry Ford has a, has a plant. Something's wrong. Something's going terribly wrong. The, the line has been held up. Nobody can figure out what's wrong. Story goes that he brings in, let's say, Enrico Fermi. He brings in somebody really smart who's like an engineer guy. He comes in. He says, what's oh, wrong yeah. with this? Yeah, you know yeah. This story? is a great story, yeah. He walks, up, he walks up to the giant machine that makes Model Ts. He takes out a big piece of chalk and draws an X. And everybody in the room goes, oh, of course. We have to go fix the, uh, the, the dingle flossing rod. And, uh, and he says, okay, see you later. I'll invoice you. Sends Henry Ford an invoice for $10,000. Henry Ford goes, uh... You showed up and put a white X on the machine. Like, can you itemize this? And he says, of course, I'm happy to itemize it. Uh, One dollar 
to uh, put a uh, white mark on a machine, $9,999 to know where to put the white mark. <laughs> ha ha, first world. That's no, great. this is how it works. This is why you hire a good designer. A good designer has made all your mistakes for you in the past. A good engineer has already made all your mistakes. A good lawyer knows that you're probably not going to win this, so here's how you can settle. Or you can pay him five times as much to fight it and lose. This is why you hire an expert. An expert is somebody who understands these things that you don't, and that's why you pay a little more. You can decide if it's worth it on the merits. But as I said before, when I'm being Johnny Fancy, if I have to persuade you why what I charge is a good deal, I, can, I already know we're not a good match because I'm not competing with anybody. If I were competing with people, that'd be fine. I'm so okay with you going with somebody where you understand that value more than me because that leaves room for me to work for people who get me. Same with our show. We, we only like working with people who either give us metric crap tons of money <laughs> or, as is the case up till day, today, you know, friends that we love. I think it's true for everybody. I think if you're super honest, if you're not where you want to be, it might help to look at the true costs. And they're not as simple as just money. They are also things like, let's be honest, how are things going with your family? Like, how are things going with your waistline? Like, how are things going with your um, blood pressure, right? The, the true cost is if you keep trying to bolt on hours at the end of the day because you're working for a bunch of cheapskates who think you're a dick, like, what favor are you doing for yourself? Now, to return to our host, Dan. So, if I understand correctly, you just show up, right? You, I guess you bought a domain name for $6. You got a domain name. Yeah, well, the .tv is a little, it's a little more. It's like 24 bucks. Yeah, and you can't buy privacy on that, which is a... Oh, my God. It's like $3 less you have to spend this year. I know. Okay, Dan. Anyway, so you show up and what? You go talk to your buddies and then... Okay, let's... let's I'll, I'll, we'll talk. I'll hit record. It'll be awesome. Yeah. We'll have a whole network. And then all you have to do is, is pay somebody, probably somebody from another country, let's be honest, to move enough stuff out of the way for all the checks that will literally fly in. <laughs> That's your door. right, yeah. They call it, uh, they call it uh, check moving. It's like, yeah, um, like a bag man. You've done this before, but very quickly, g- give me three to five costs that people may not be aware of. Uh, hosting, for example. Um, what? It costs money to put these, these yes, 40 you know, did files you, did somewhere? Did you know that Apple, that iTunes does not host these files? Did you know that? That we host them? You're telling me if John Syracuse talks in one of his new short episodes... You know, his episodes are short. <laughs> yeah, the short, the short versions. The okay, so you short it down so. to a little over two hours, which is probably <laughs> right. a 60 to 80 meg file. Yeah, and we only, by the way, we only, uh, we only get to cover follow-up now. We don't actually have topics anymore. I like on that, that. personally. I it's like that. It's all follow-up. So there's hosting fees, which are not inconsiderable, if anybody's done that. There's production costs. Yeah, we there. got ed- editing. We pay people to edit the shows. What about your uh, what about your Mackie and uh, your Hiles? That was all free, right? Yeah, everything here was was uh, somebody paid. I don't know, I don't know. And so when you record four sides of a conversation, you've got like one. You got a single Mac Mini for every and, guest. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You have more than one computer there. This is just a podcast, Dan. Why don't you just record it? I guess I, I guess I should look at that. Look into right. That. I'm being silly. See also uh, Dan's. Uh, is it considered an AD? That episode pamphlet. Yeah, I didn't know where else to put it. Okay, please, please link to that. Right. The point is, everybody knows this. <clears throat> There's all kinds of things you've got to pay for that are not obvious to people. Um, like, if you run McDonald's, it seems like a license to print money because you're selling this high-profit item that with a non-negotiable cost. But you've, you do have to pay for things like advertising. You do have to pay salary. You do have to pay insurance. You have to pay and pay and pay and pay. I, this is, I don't mean this as whining. I mean this as if you don't realize this, 
you don't deserve to be independent because <laughs> it is really hard. It's super hard for everybody. And, and so the, if there's anything that we've tried to get across on at least two or three episodes, I think it is that you must be circumspect about undercutting your own value at any point in your career. Yes, including when you're starting out. There are times to work for less than a premium, but you should really know why you're working for less than a premium. And to be honest, the sooner you learn what that work is and should be worth, the better off you'll be. Now, if you want to cut your prices in the future, that's great. But if you, if you eventually find out you should be making $1,000 an hour and you're charging $7 an hour, well, not only does that harm everybody else in the kind of work that you do, but it's going to really harm you because you're only, you're, you're going to send natural selection to only get the stupidest and cheapest people to work for you. Boy, that's a fancy lizard brain thing, but is it not true, Dan? No, it's very true. Do you ever find this in client services? <clears throat> the people, the people who never, or this, I'm not saying they aren't communicative or have questions, but in my experience, the clients who have the least convincing to be done to, to work together um, are frequently the people who are easiest to work with, for whom I'm willing to do the best work, and the people who end up paying the most. And not to make this oversimplified, but I'm telling you, because I've done this since 1995 for a job, the people who are the cheapest, the people who are the most skeptical, the people with the highest demands, the people who want more time for less money and higher quality, I don't know how that works out from an engineering standpoint, uh, they will always be the hardest to work for. They will pay late. They will pay less. They will pay less often. Anybody out there got this? Can anybody in the chat room give me a yay or an A on that? Anybody out there doing great work with somebody who doesn't respect what they do? I'll, t- I'll tell you something else. You're talking about those those clients. The, the ones that are trying not to spend a lot of money, to them, if they're spending $500, they have the same, and I understand this, but they have the same attitude that someone who's spending $5,000 or $50,000 would have. They feel like their project or the work that you're doing for them. And I'm not saying that they're wrong to feel this way, but it's a right. warning. It's a warning. You're not going to talk them out of it. No, they, they feel like that project is it's incredibly important. It's as important to them, the ones spending $500 or $5,000, is the ones that are spending $50,000. And if you're, if you're responding honestly to them, let's say there's something you would normally charge $1,000 for in order to do it in a way you're proud of. And somebody said, well, I was thinking that would cost more like $100. Uh, but I'd like to pay 50 <laughs> Well, if you told them that that's $1,000, well, then if they want to pay less than that, they either don't trust you, don't believe you, or don't think you're worth it. Right. And I'd love to hear a little more about how any of this is a great thing. But fine, for the sake of argument, let's say you're hungry. Well, you know this thing costs $1,000. You're going to have to turn away other work, the hidden costs, again. And you say, well, if you're really honest with them, here's what you say. No, $1,000 is what it costs. Um, but if you want, I can do an insanely crappy job for $100, or I could not do it at all for, for, for like 50 like, like, what if I just spaced it? Like, that's how stupid I would have to be. Like, what if I just go, you just give me the money, and then maybe it doesn't happen? Because you're about that stupid if you have that agreement with somebody. And I, I, we've talked about this, you know, I, I've told you before, Dan, I want to do a whole show about what it, what it meant to do, like, anytime you're doing something in a new technology, I guess, or a technology not everybody understands early, like, in my case, it was the web. Before that, it was CDI, CD-ROMs. Before that, it was probably, uh, what, Zork? Is that what it's called? The game Zork. Is that what it's called, Zork? In the, yeah. 
Z O R K. Had a conversation with a mutual friend of ours. He said he can't wait till he can do that with Siri. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I know. Probably that's probably the sole reason they don't want to open up the API. Yeah, you just make sure you're on a really good connection. But um, uh, what's my point? Oh, starting out. What was my point? You there? were saying what about if you're hungry? And so this is this is the thing. Is lizard brain. Lizard you're, brain. You're, oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, that it's it's a fear thing for a lot of people because you, here's somebody who's holding out some money, saying do this thing, and you're saying, well, that should cost a thousand bucks. Like, well, I, I got four hundred. Well, yeah, but it's really a thousand. Well, here's what we can do. You have to be able to say no, but you're not just saying no to a client who's not offering you enough or who's not willing to spend what it should what it costs to actually do it. Here you are saying no to a source of revenue when maybe there is no other source of revenue. That was my situation when I first started doing freelancing oh, consulting. You see what I'm saying? Uh, can we feel like you're like in a corner? Yeah, like, like like you were saying okay. you're hungry. So like here, here yeah, yeah. you are and you've got you've got you've got the rent to pay and you've got you're to buy turning food. down like a crumb of bread when there's no other food coming that right. day. Right. So you've got n- you've got nothing. So it's either you eat the sand or you eat nothing. <laughs> there's not even any crawfish. Like crawdad, take it, throw it in a pot. When we ran on a crawdad, we ate sand. You ate what? We ate sand. Sand. You ate sand? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but, but, and then, okay, so that, but you're in that, how long do you want to be in that survival mode? Well, how, how do you know when to not be? When you're ready to grow up. No, well, here's, here's the tricky part <laughs> is when I, mean, I when how, I, got, how does that ever, how does that ever become sensible? Right? I mean, it, like, so yeah, how again, long like, do you say no for? I don't know. I mean, I don't know why you're. I don't know why you're saying yes in the first place. I w- if I could change anything in the world, that would have been it. I would have. I would have said. I wish I'd spent more time getting so good at what I do that I could. I would never in a million years do that because I know in my heart that that it's worth more than that. And I. So okay. So you're asking a different question. I will try to answer that question. Right, answer both answer, of them. Then. Well, if you haven't answered that question, I'd love to hear it because uh, I don't think there's a great answer. Your question is like, if you're going to be in breadcrumb mode. That's pretty good. If you're going to be in breadcrumb <laughs> mode, like how long should you stay with that? Well, on the face of it, let's look at the front and back of that. In the front of that, you go, oh my gosh. In my case, um, it's looking now like I was a fit, not officially in the worst economy <laughs> of the last 30 years. It looks like it's gotten worse. But in 1990, it was not great when I got out. And so the kind of dough I was making in 1990 or 91 was like, oh man, it's just, it was crazy what I would get. I mean, I would get like, I would do a newsletter, do somebody's newsletter for like 50 bucks. That Pines of Sarasota was like my anchor tenant. This, this old age home where I'd have to go and like gather all the things and retype Pembroke, everything. Pembroke Pines? No, I think you're thinking of uh, Colonial Hills 1 and 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of where I used to live. I used to live in Colonial Hills 1 and 2. Really? <laughs> Never told you about that. Those are cheap. Oh yeah, no, it's nice 3 and 4. It was fat. Marker. Um, can you at least leave in the sh so people know what I said? Is that hard to do? Can you just leave a sh? I'll ask. Can't do that? I'll ask. Okay. Well, it sounds so weird. It sounds like I have a palsy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was such a jerk that. <laughs> it's like that's like modern day radio. It's rapper. It's like rap. modern day radio. Huh. Yeah. Turn on the radio. Well, Check it out. Paul Voodoo had that as a single. Uh, you're thinking the of Paula that, Abdul. Oh, no. I think you're thinking of Arsenio Hall. Is anyone with the big shoes dancing in that video? There is no Arsenio, only Zool. Huh. And don't cross the streams. Don't cross the streams? I think I think it's Sigourney Weaver. I liked her in Alien. I'm not familiar with it. 
on the front end of that, you're me. You go, oh, yes, of course. I will take the Pines of uh, Sarasota account. I still have that ID. I think Pines, I put it up. Pines. It was really nice. I went and I had a way, like I would lay out, and this is kind of boring, but maybe you'll relate. Because I didn't know what else to do. Now, in my case, I was going, okay, I think at the time, even, <laughs> I may have been referring to myself as seasoned. Remember that I was a seasoned web professional at one point? Wow. Yeah, I was not seasoned. I was seasoned. I was unseasoned. I was salt-free. I, but in this case, I was like, okay, I know enough PageMaker to like output something, you know? And so I would do this thing. And it was, you know, I think they were, in retrospect, they were probably paying me like a little too much. Mm. Like all they needed was like a, basically like a church bulletin, like from when I was a kid, where you'd have an eight and a half by 11 folded in half. I mean, you need to know what time bingo is and who died. Like that's what they need, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's only so much stuff that's going to be retained from month to month in the Pines of Sarasota newsletter. But I was like, of course I will do this. I will work for anybody who will have me. I was, you know, yeah, doing this is no, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Doing identity for people, just terrible stuff with stock art. Uh, you know what I mean by identity? You do like letterhead, and this used to be a thing you would do. Um, you do letterhead. You do business card. You do something print like an envelope return address. Stolen fonts, stolen stock art. I I don't think I had a paid copy of a layout program <laughs> until I started working again in the in the in the nineties. But um yeah, but let's say I did. Sorry, Aldous. Uh on the front end of that, you're like, Of course I will do this. What else am I gonna do? Right. But but like when is there a great day to stop doing crack? Right now, let's say I get really good at that. All right. Let's just anybody. Let, okay. Here's the thing. Imagine that you're in an industry and you hear these crazy numbers about what people make. Well, of course, obviously I'm going to go into design and desktop publishing because now Apple has this laser writer thing. This is going to be a very lucrative thing. It's just, it's, as I say, it's a license to print money. At that point, I'm using my own SE and somebody else's Jasmine drive with like a 20 meg when I can borrow it because it's really hard to do page maker with floppies though you can. Uh, and so, you know, in some ways that feels like free money. Great. Okay. I got the Pines of Sarasota. I got this. I got that. Now, what am I doing? Now, now I've got, I don't want to call it a rock. It is like an anchor, but for better or for worse, now every month I have to deliver this newsletter that they're in. Today, I would say they're paying too much for it. But back then, I would say, oh, I wish I could get more money for this. But still, I got it every month. Let's say it was $150, something mm-hmm. like that. Okay, great. Well, the last thing I'm going to do is throw away my steady $150 a month gig, right? And so what do I do? I get another gig that's equally low paid. Now I'm a stringer for this, like, uh, at one point I was doing my, um, my ex-girlfriend's dad owned a paper. So I was occasionally writing these little crappy bits for her uh, paper, you know, and that was 15 bucks. <laughs> okay, great. Now I got a $15 gig on top of my $100 gig. Like, what's the minimal amount of time I spent on that? Well, 10 or 15 hours a month. Okay. So already now, I mean, I, I'm into this. Actually, it was more than that for the newsletter. My point is it wouldn't take long until half of my time was taken up with stuff that was almost poverty wages. I'm not getting better at what I do while I'm doing that. I'm not... I mean, Dan, have you ever been through this? There is never a good day to raise prices. There's never a good day. Mm. You know, you can... I mean, if you took a job from somebody because it was cheap and they were willing to pay, like what day is it great to go back and go, well, hi, I grew up and realized this is worth five times more. Well, uh, that relationship will probably end at that point because it doesn't matter what you charged. If you charge, if you suddenly, re- in my in my experience, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but in my experience, no matter what you started working for, if you suddenly charge what you think it's worth and that's way out of line, 
it's hard. It's really hard. Sometimes with your anchor tenants, you might want to grandfather them in. What I do with things like that, and I've advised my friends to do, is say, okay, here's the deal. I'm about to raise rates. It's going to seem super expensive to you, but you know what? For the next six months, for the next year, you get it at the old, old rate, just because I love you. But new clients have to pay this. Anyway, you see my point, though? You start out, you go, I've got to get this. You're in breadcrumb mode. What do I call it? Breadcrumb mode? Yeah. Like, you'll take anything you can get. Well, when do you stop doing that enough to take the knowledge that you've accumulated about what you're doing, including if you're really good, potentially that you're not charging enough, when do you take that and then get better at the stuff you didn't need to know you get better at? When do you get more help with what you do? When can you afford to bring on more people? Or have you essentially consigned yourself to this self-replicating ghetto? You've put yourself into a ghetto and it's going to be super hard to get out. People do get out. But on the front end of that, that seems super sensible. I'm just, as I tell you today, looking back at that, it's so not sensible. I'm glad I survived it, but you know, I, I, I ended up surviving it by getting a job that paid a lot more. <laughs> if I kept working like that, I don't know where I'd be today. You know, I, I never developed the skills to get great at that. And I would look at my friends who were like, no, I'm sorry, it's $50 an hour. That's what it costs. And I'd go, oh my God, that's well, fine for you. I'm glad you can get away with that. <laughs> but even five years later doing web pages, I was getting 15 bucks an hour. I mean, that's what it paid. So, I mean, it, it, I, to your point, Dan, like, I think you can do that. But, like, how long is it okay to do that? And, and when do you figure out that that's not sustainable? Yeah. Because how much I don't of this, know. though, how much of this do you think people are really going to do? Because, you know, you have, you've got a kid. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time you tell your kid, don't, don't do that. And they do it anyway. And you say, don't do that. If you do that, you, this thing might happen to you that will hurt you. And then they do it anyway, and then they get hurt. And then, Daddy, I got hurt! And well, then it's all I told I can you not do to do. Not, yeah, it's all I can do to not say I told you so. Right. Well, uh, that's two, I think, pretty different questions. The first question is, like, well, what, you know, why, why will people do or not do that? Well, you'll do or do it because it resonates with you today. Or it'll stick around in your head long enough to maybe resonate in the future. It only needs to resonate enough that you put away 10 hours of a bad client for six or five or six hours of a good client. Because, you know, they pay more when you got a good client. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, and if you're not at this point yet, just wait. You will be. You will be at the point when they feel like they can call you at any time. They can increase the scope of the project without increasing the budget. They can... I, none of this sounds familiar, right? You've never had this. Mm. You've never had. You've never taken a job for less than it was worth, and then had them say, "Oh, and we need it sooner, and we need you to do this." Because now you're the bitch, right? You're the one who's. I'm sorry. I don't. Mean, I hope that's not sounds no, sexist. You you're, the, you're, you're the punk ass bitch. Right. You're the one who has shown that you have so little respect for your own work, and you don't stand up for your what you're worth. That all of those hidden costs mean nothing to the other person. Like, you can't sit there and show somebody a profit and loss statement and go, this is why I'm valuable. You know, unless you're a jerk, you don't talk about your page rank. <laughs> you don't talk about how many followers you've got. Either they think it's worthwhile or it's not. In my own case, like a lot of times, to be honest, the people who get my name out there at a company to speak are, are you know, our friends, the, the jackals and nerds. Their idea of why this is valuable, like... Uh, 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 People, I told you this, Dan, like people come up to me at things like Macworld. This is not bragging. This is just, this is why I'm happy with my life. People walk up to me and go, uh, everything's different now, you know, because I did this thing. 
You know, uh, Rob Corddry has said like he wouldn't be able to do stuff he does today if it weren't for Inbox Zero and stuff like that. Can you have, have any idea how that makes me feel to hear that from somebody? Well, I can't tell that to the HR person. I can't say this guy who plays a bloody clown on TV thinks what I do is valuable. Yeah. They want to know I've been in the New York Times. They want to know I've been in the Wall Street Journal. They want to know all these empty things, and they want to know that I'm going to charge just a little bit less than exactly what their budget is. Completely different metrics. That's hard. That's hard for anybody. But here's the second part, Dan. And this is the complicated part. Is like, why would you listen to this show if you don't want to change? If everything's perfect and you're amused by this, that's terrific. But I will never stop believing that the people who listen to this show are open to something better. And if you're not open to something better, why don't you go listen to a show that tells you you're fine and you never need to change? That's, that's the, there's so many of those that you should go listen to. So many. There's just not that many places where people are telling you what I wish I had heard when I was just a little bit younger or maybe not that much younger. And so, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure that answers your question, but like, I, I defy you to show me somebody who's really super successful and has a long live career who did it by charging less than they're worth. Think about that. And you tell me what the question is. Because I think that's monkey balls. I don't, know why, I don't know why that would ever seem sensible. If you can't figure out a way to charge more, something's wrong. Your skills are not there. Uh, you're in the wrong market. You're doing something that nobody pays a lot of money for. But, you know, and, and again, let's get back to the original topic. If you're not troubled by the hidden costs of that, then you could be fine. If you are as sort of like from the Dan angle, you know how you've talked about you got to really go all in mm. on something if yeah. you're going to do it. If you see it as a hobby and like free money and you go, whoa, well, my, uh, my AdSense isn't doing as well this month or people didn't buy as many cameras from my site. Like if you can just kind of ride on that and go, it's just free, fun, free money anyway. But I think there's something much deeper. And I'm just telling you, go to, go to some nerd fest like Macworld. I know this is true, that your job is more than your job. Yeah, your job is about getting paid and there's a value in that. But your job is like, is like how you spend your time. You know, um, there's this talk I've, I've done lately of saying like, uh, you know, when I was a kid, they used to talk, there's this Donald Duck cartoon they showed us in health class. And the song was like, your health is like an equilateral triangle. And I don't remember what the three points are, but to today I would say it's like, there's three things you got to do in life. Uh, there's sleep, <laughs> there's work, and there's everything else. And uh, if you don't sleep enough, you can work and do everything else more. If you work a lot, a lot, a lot, you sleep a lot less and you do a lot less of everything else. Mm -hmm. Everything else might be cats, it might be bikes, it might be children, it might be church, it might be feeling alive. But like, that's it. That's a triangle, guys. It's like the project thing. You're not going to change that. And the thing is, if you're going to really try and be a whole person and say, well, eight to 10 hours of that, well, that's eight to 10 hours. It needs to be super cool and pay me what I'm worth. And, and if you disagree with that, then ask yourself how much time you're spending. Are you spend, well, let's say you're working for less than you know you're worth. Okay, is that six hours a day? Is that eight hours a day? Because I'll bet you there's a really good chance the, the more you feel like you're not getting paid what you're worth, the more hours you're working. People who get paid crap and work two hours a week have a different problem than somebody who gets paid crap and works 80 hours a week, in my opinion. That's not fancy. That's like deciding to have a life. That's all there is to it. <sighs> Hidden costs. Oh, gosh. We, we have a sponsor, don't we? I think so. Yeah. Let me get the code right. You got yeah. the code? You got the code? You got the code? Which, which one? You got the code? Which one? Squarespace. Yes. You got it. What is it? You want to know it? Tell me quietly. Code for January. January. Month of one. What is it? It's big. 
there a space in that? No, one word. You ever heard about this uh, Squarespace thing? No, tell me a little bit about that. Oh, that's terrific. Squarespace.com, it's a great place to make a site. Uh, I, what do you mean make a site? What does that mean? Let's say, just for the sake of argument, that you have a company that sells wall-to-wall premium carpeting. If you wanted a way to drop ship carpeting to somebody, let me start over. First, you come in. You understand everybody <laughs> wants premium carpeting. Do you understand that? Yes, of course you do. B, how am I going to get this carpeting? I, I can't come to this uh, strip mall in Sarasota, Florida. How mm. am I going to do this? I don't know. I'll tell you how I'm going to do it. I'm going to make an internet site. <laughs> I told you that story. I got to find that site on archive.org. Now, Squarespace is a great place to have a, uh, any kind of a website. You're, you're stick a, sick of monkeying around with all these different goofy sites and the plugins. You come to Squarespace, you can have a blog, you can have a journal, you can have an intranet. You can have, I'm learning more about these audiences. Audience is a really interesting idea. Like if you want to have an intranet, um, it's really to go in, it's easy to go in and create all these different kinds of levels of authority and access. So you could have something like, say you've got your office intranet. When somebody visits that login page, it recognizes when they log in. Just for example, let's say we decided to do an intranet on Squarespace. Okay. If I go in uh, to your Squarespace page, just and there's a login on the right, when I log in, regardless of what page it's on, it knows where I should go. There's a redirect, if you want, for anybody who logs in. Because let's say I can't post on your public blog site, or I can't post on your, on your public marketing site. Those are all separate logins. Those are all separate areas. It's separate everything. If you choose to, each one of those can have granular detail. You can decide who can make changes to the Twitter block. <laughs> it's crazy. If you want to, you can do all of that. Which gives you, I mean, do you know what that would have cost like 10 years ago, Dan? Forget like, about it's, it. No, that's $500,000. Yeah. Now today, you go in and do that. Um, it's why I say to my friends and my, uh, the people I want to be my friends that they should look at this. And then just out of, if you're curious, once you go in there, you can do stuff and have like an editorial pipeline. You can do stuff like and say you're a full editor, you're a limited editor, you get admin privileges. But, you know, it's a major twice cut once thing. Right? You can go in and you can set all this stuff up and then it just goes. Um, and I love that. And uh, I've still, um, when I always say every week that I've been working, I've been really, really working on my Squarespace site lately. And I'm really, I'm close to doing a cool thing. I can't wait. I like it when yeah. you do the cool things. I'm working on a cool thing. But I don't know. It still blows me away, the stuff in there that but I... This is, uh, so here's the question for you, Marla. Yeah, give me the question. Here is the, this is what I want to know. Yeah. Why would a guy like you... Yeah, web professional. A web professional, mm-hmm. seasoned, <laughs> come in and use this tool that's out there. You, you know, we would expect you to be a do-it-yourselfer. Why aren't you hand cut? Why go with thing like isn't this just for you know people who don't know how to make a website isn't that what this is yeah like for for for, for jerks and morons right yeah as the seo wizards yeah i have people like me who have so much seasoning yeah. like i'm heavily overly over- seasoned like too much salt really too why salt? all the salt why do you need it so salty smokers I, always do that you know what it is i keep and i quit did you um no, yeah, I never smoked, but I quit um the uh if i had i would have quit but the uh here's the thing uh, I think there's a very natural funny thing that happens, especially today, which is that you move from being one kind of person to another kind of person. Like, you know, I, I'm so blown away by what you can do with stuff today. Man, there's just so many of you that Squarespace is probably not for. <laughs> like, if you're sitting there making stuff in Jekyll, you're good. Don't worry. You don't need this until you need this. <laughs> I'm not here to tell you, stop updating your Jekyll site or stop doing Calipin or quit doing any of those. If you need that, do it. They're all great. 
for myself, like uh, this is going to sound weird and again, first world, but like I don't see myself as a guy who updates a website anymore. Mm. I see myself as a guy who tries to make people happy on the internet. And uh, my ability to go and do that is impinged by my need to do things like update plugins. If you're doing that, that's great. Like if you're doing HTML5 and Node.js and all this great stuff that I wish I understood or wish I'd had years ago, you, you know, you're good. But the, if you're somebody like me, I mean, I, this is true for so many of my friends. Like back in the day when I had my Beach Boys fan site, you know, and I was using what? I wasn't even using Fetch. I think I had to go in and like edit the pages in like Pico maybe. I mean, when I first got, when they first, this is before the graphical web. That's how you updated a site. It was great when blogging engines came along. Blogger comes along. Movable type comes along. Eventually, WordPress comes along. There's such an embarrassment of riches today. And at each step, I kept up with that. Whether it was LiveJournal or Joomla or any of that. Different sites, different things. I did a real estate site. I do it in Joomla because it did nice framing, right? Had somebody need something pretty with a nice interface, I always used MT. Those are all still great things. It's all still out there. But now I don't think of myself as somebody who types in a form field primarily. I don't think of myself as like a blogger anymore. I mean, I am, but I mean, I'm not a blogger in the sense of I sit around and look for which SEO plugin to get. I think of myself as like, I want to have the shortest ramp possible to going from things like talking into this mic or typing in TextMate to getting it in front of people. And so, like that other podcast I do, it's all done on Squarespace because it's just, it's crazy simple to do. There's probably a million ways I could go have more flexibility and more everything and roll my own and get a bug tracker and make sure I can, have you seen the thing where you have the JavaScript inside of JavaScript? Have you seen that? No, of course I can't run my site here. It won't run PyPy. I got, if you can't run Python on Python, what's the point? Well, that's great. But that's not what this is. This is for somebody like me who like wants a way to post something from your phone or to post something from your uh, you know, Mars edit or just wherever. And it just goes. You want a gallery? There's a gallery. You want widgets? You get widgets. It's nothing to say anything against any other CMS or hosting service or anything. It's just this is the right fit for me and that's why I won't shut up about it because there are people out there who may think that they're .js people when they really want to be writer people or when they really want to be photo people. And when you're ready to start looking at that jump, you don't have to quit your job. You could just find a better home for what you do. And so in ways that aren't entirely public yet, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do. Nice. You go to the Roderick on the line site, you see it's all there. That's all. That's, that's pure, pure Squarespace. And it's something you can have on the first day you sign up, which you should do. That's called a segue. Squarespace.com slash, I believe it's back to work, one word. Is that correct, Dan Benjamin? Let's hear, yeah. let's hear where it comes back when you type Squarespace. it. Squarespace.com slash you get a, uh, looks like one of those, um, looks a little bit like a, like a um, analytics string with some attributes and stuff. What do you call that when you get the ampersands? What do you call that? Two ampersands is and. What about equals equals? That is checking to see if something is equal, which is different from the equal, which is setting okay. something. But of Help course it depends on the language. If I say, as a, as a string literal, I say John Syracuse equals Squidward. How is that different from John Syracuse equals equals Squidward? The first like one, one and only one Squidward, and that's John Syracuse. Mm, assuming you're talking about just a traditional modern convention, the first one you're setting the value. You are setting John Syracuse to be equal do, do, to Squidward. Dollar sign Squidward equals John Syracuse. Right. The second one you are evaluating if that's true, and it Got would it. return true. Do you do intercaps? Do you do like lowercase s and then a uh, capital W for Squidward, or is that that's just for JavaScript? Mm, no, I don't. I don't do that okay what what goes in all caps is that classes or uh, controllers what do you do mm, maybe a constant okay hmm. it's always there 
global variable depending on your... Yeah, that goes in application.cfm. Did I tell you that I got an email from a guy who listens to the show, loves the show, uh, but is very upset that if it, that that we propagate incorrect software development information that for one, one example of this was that you you mentioned that you asked was erlang object oriented or orientated as you say mm-hmm. and i i forget whether i said yes or no but i just sort of agreed with and dismissed the question so we could get back to the main topic sure. and that generated several emails from the, this person he was very upset Oh, I, I, don't, was, I don't. I don't blame them. Dan. I don't blame I do, him. I, oh, I don't blame him either. I don't blame him at all. I I he's, do what I can to share with people. He's I right. He he may be interested to know that that was originally uh, done as a functional language in Assembler, and so you can check that out uh, from SVN, and it's got <laughs> uh, it's got garbage collection. Yes, it does. Yep, and uh, it's got uh, strict non-typing. Mm-hmm. If du- you don't like duck typing, typing, duck typing. If you, don't, you can do doc, uh, doctor typing, anything <laughs> that you need. I don't have all of the answers, Dan. All I can do is point people toward what works. And when I run Erlang in my assembly assembler, I feel closer to the metal than I am with a high-level language. Uh, you know, what are some of the popular ones? Do you ever you got, program uh, in, in Prolog? No, I've done Pasta. That's the one. And you got the Cucumber Sinatras. <laughs> I saw them open for the DBs once. Uh, really, and if you're not doing uh, automated unit testing on your uh, assembler install, two pipes aren't going to help you. Yeah, nothing's going to help you. But I take your point. Squarespace.com slash back to work. We have a code. It's the month of one. This is the last day of the month of one. Is it really? Look at yeah, that. Heard, Look at picked, that. Picked a new one for next week. Next uh, month. It's really good. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. You picked it, though? I picked it. So your show. I guess you should. Mm. Use the code. Uh, what do I say? Uh, big week? Big week. Big week. And what do you get for that? You get 30% off. Of your first, is it three months? I believe that's correct, three months. They're running out. They've only got a couple hours left to do this. Go fast. Yeah, Go seriously. Fast. Yeah. But it's, uh, anyway, blah, blah. I use it for lots of stuff. I love it. Um, and it doesn't break. Um, hmm. I should do a commercial for them, because I really like them. Uh, Squarespace.com slash back to work. Uh, and we thank Squarespace very much for supporting 5x5 and back to work. If you do a commercial, you should get Andy to do it. He's so good. Oh, my God. And Yanako? Who? Sandy. I, yeah, I saw him at the Macworld. You did? Yeah, oh, yeah. He's got, a, he's got a Boswell for his Johnson now. I think he's got initials for a name. He's got like an assistant guy. Really? Like a yeah. handler? He's got real curvy hair. He's one of the, the types of guys, I think Sandy's the person, kind of person who, if, you know, he, because he's so sensitive, mm-hmm. he shouldn't have to do the things that most of us are used to doing. For example, if it's raining... He shouldn't have to think, do I have an umbrella? Did I bring my umbrella? How do I open this umbrella? How do I Henry, hold the He needs the a Henry um- Hill holding up yeah, the umbrella yes, for his tooting. He needs somebody who's already thought about it. The umbrella is already open and that he can continue on whatever his train of thought was. I get Someone it. Someone just walks with the umbrella holding it over him. You're saying it's not just simply a matter of that his time is probably literally more valuable than anybody we've ever met. It's just, and I'm setting aside for a minute his sensitivity, which we should never do. You're saying, focus, right? Two right here. He's got to get eye of the tiger, keep him on that. So you're saying things appear. Cars appear, umbrellas appear. He's like the guy who did the voiceovers in a world. Like yeah. this is a, a limo running, get in, get out. A check comes through the window, you move on. Right. So what about beard trimming? I think he cuts his own hair too. That's probably done. He's probably got somebody to do that now. 
You know, Gruber got a professional haircut. You should see him. He looks fantastic. Looks fantastic. It's funny. Yeah, no, it's he looks Remember good. when he used to have the shaggy, the long he's shaggy got, hair? Uh, he's got complicated hair. Yeah, when we were at the South by Southwest, he had a kind of a Magic Johnson thing going on. Dr. J, which is the one with the Celtics assembler? He didn't that Magic Johnson. No. Did way. you see this thing that was going around? Let me to wrap this up. Thing that was going around the other day, um, this Quora question, somebody asked. Engineering management, why are software development task estimations regularly off by a factor of two to three? Have you seen this? No, I don't know what this means. I just put it in the show notes. Is this another, and, um, another test? No, it's not, I'm sorry. I just had a bunch of seltzer, so I'm trying not to burp, but I'm going to try not to cut you off here. Hang on one second. Oh, my God. That's better. Thank you. Um, what just happened here? Just a giant freaking belch, like a scary... Basso Profundo screen shattering belch. And I muted it because I love I love the users. Assembler. Um and so somebody asked that question. Why is it that software development task estimations are off by a factor of two or three? I mentioned this because this is an interesting bridge between last week's show and this week's show. Last week's show, uh what was last week's show about? Slipping and sliding? I'm like, why, why is it that we tend to slip on dates? Why does that happen? Why is it, what is the slide? Like, how is it these folks? <laughs> Listen to them back. That bit with the meeting was kind of funny. Wasn't that pretty good? Yeah, Remember I, I like part? the whole thing. <laughs> is this, this still the show, show or is this done? Can I finish? Go ahead, call it. Thank you. First time manager. Uh, and this week's show has been talking about, uh, in some sense, uh, uh, hidden costs. And so um, I think there's a bridge between that in a way. And I, I love this post. Have you ever heard, what was this originally called? So there are a couple people on this thread. But Quora is mostly pretty civil, isn't it? Well, it has to be because it takes like 10 years before you're allowed to post, I thought. Oh, is that right? You got to get uh, called Woofy? I don't is that know. Woofy? Woof, woof, woofy no, you're ball? You're thinking of roofies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the only way I can sleep, I think. I can't really remember. <laughs> uh, you heard this problem, the coastline of Britain problem, Mandelbrot. You know about this? The Mandelbrot. It's a kind Mandelbrot, of... Mandelbrot, Mandelbrot. Kind of fractal. <laughs> so Mandelbrot, I guess, and I only mostly know about this from Gertel Escherbach and a Jonathan Colton song, so obviously I have a PhD. Uh, but you know Mandelbrot's the fractal guy. He didn't call it fractals till later, but back in the day, I think in the 60s, he talked about the problem of measuring the coastline of England. And, you know, I know you either know about this or you don't care. Shut up. But, so if all you've got, like in this case, let's say you've got a, like a three-foot, like a yardstick... Better put, let's, if you go look at a, look, go look at a map of What are you talking anything. about right now? God damn it, Dan, let me finish. You look at anything, like a coastline in particular. If you want to measure the coastline of Britain, try doing that with, let's say, like, let's say you're looking at the map. Try doing that with just a one-inch bit of ruler. And you're going to have to make all kinds of things where you avoid all the curvilinear parts by just going from here to there. Well, if you measure the, the coastline of England or Britain using just a, a one-inch ruler you're going to get a really different answer than if you'd actually been down on the ground <laughs> and every square millimeter, the coastline gets a lot longer as your measuring thing gets better, right? So everybody knows this. I mean, obviously, this is the uh, self-similar nature of fractals and stuff, right? Like it, the further down you get, the more detail that you see. And so in this wonderful example, this guy, Michael Wolf, says, well, what if we decided we wanted to walk from San Francisco to Los Angeles? Well, he puts some meat on the bone that I really like, where he says, well, first of all, we go down, we figure we can do this much per day, we walk and walk. But then we discover, first of all, oh, well, first of all, there's a lot more little curves on the coastline than we thought, right? 
it's not really as simple as just walking from here to LA. If you really look at the map and zoom in, you'll see there's lots of little, uh, almost like fjords, right? You know what I'm saying, Dan? If you get down to the actual coastline, just the very uh, curvilinear uh, nature of a real coastline, it's not a straight line. But we're still, and I love this in his example, whoa, you get to this area here where you got to like walk down a hill, or you get to this part here where like, I didn't even realize I had to walk around this cliff. Oh no, and then there's federal land there that I'm not allowed to walk on. I didn't notice that on the map on and on and on. And suddenly your estimate is so far off <laughs> because you hadn't actually walked down it yet. And I think that's what happens. That's I, Anyway, you should go read the article yourself. I just put it in show notes. It's, I think it's very, very well done. It's probably not perfect, but if you wonder why pro- projects slip and slide, you wonder why it's hard to guess how long it will take to do something, you could do a lot worse than reading this. Well, why am I mentioning it here? Well, because this also gets to the hidden cost part of this. You know, uh, if you're estimating what you're worth without having first walked on that path a bunch of times or knowing what the risks are. So one hidden cost is I said I would do this. Let's put it this way. I said I would do, I used to call this guy Carpet Boy. Let's say I told Carpet Boy I was going to do his site where you could drop ship carpeting to somebody's house after they looked at a brochure I'd scanned online. They would buy wall-to-wall premium carpeting from an internet site that we brought to your house and it would be up to you to figure out how to install it. Let's just take it as red. That's a fantastic idea. (laughs) I'd take that gig for $15 an hour and say I'll have it for him in a week. Okay, well, what if it turns out that the brochure doesn't scan well because of a moray pattern, right? Or like a bendet thing that I couldn't get the scan to look just right. Maybe I get that scan and put it in and I built the page around that thing. I got a table to make it look real good and stuff. I give it to him and he goes, well, wait a minute. This doesn't fit on my browser screen. And I go, oh no, he's got a different size browser. I hadn't accounted for that. Was Dan, was there anything such as a responsive design in 1996? No way. Well, you could have a 100% table, but you didn't do stuff like have, <laughs> you know, of course, obviously you have a 100% table. I did it in 99 just to be safe because <laughs> I was classy. But you couldn't have photos that change sizes and stuff. Let's say, let's say there was a, let's say there was a delay in even getting me the brochure that had to be scanned so people could pick carpeting that would be drop shipped. Right? There's all these unforeseen things that can come up. So if I agree to this bonehead guy because of my inexperience and poor self-esteem, I said I'll do your drop ship carpeting site for two hundred dollars in a week. Well, it's not crazy to think that I could end up spending a lot more than quote unquote one week of time, even if I deliver that to him in a week. Tim, one week is this is on my desk seven days from today. To me, that might end up being I work 20 hours a day to get that stupid thing done for $200. Mm-hmm. If I've never gone, gone through that enough and I think that's okay, all those hidden costs, even if I just look at it in terms of that one project, really pile up. Now, if I know me. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to get a cold sore. I'm going to get sick. I'm not going to eat right. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to do poor work. Anybody who works more than eight hours a day, many, 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 many days in a row, almost all of us will not work as well on the subsequent days. So I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill my health for this $200. Well, maybe I should ask $400. Is it worth that? Is it worth $4,000? I don't know. Only you know what that's worth. But I will tell you this. If you spent that entire week to make that $200, you did not spend any other time that week doing anything else. So the hidden cost is you didn't get to see people. You didn't get to do stuff. You didn't go out, get to go out and see built to spill. Like whatever it is, that's a hidden cost. This is not even taking into account all the operating expenses. Like, who's going to host that? Did you talk about that? Did you, did you talk about, like, will this ser- is this server IIS or Apache? Have you talked about any of these things? Have you worked all that out? Oh, of course I have. I'm a professional. Good. Then that means you're probably not charging $200. Mm-hmm. 
Because it took you a really long time to realize how stupid you were to not take all of those things into consideration. And so that's why I love this story, and that's why I love this topic. And I, well, I think it's really good for everybody to keep in mind. Um, I don't know how you get around it. I really don't. Hidden costs. Hmm. Hmm. Did you read that article a while back? We really, really, really have to find this. Uh, it wasn't Zeldman, but it was some like pseudo well-known designer person did this postmortem on redesigning the software for Wells Fargo ATMs. Did you ever read this? Mm, no. Um, I, I'm just doing this from memory. We, we must find this for show notes. But it was, it was so interesting because if somebody came to you and said, hey, Dan, do you want to design, do you want to redesign the software for freaking Wells Fargo? Like, what are you going to say? Let me think about it. You go like, oh my gosh, no, I'm going to outbid everybody. I really, really, really want to do this. Right. Well, career maker. Know? Absolutely. You kidding? That's a, everybody knows Wells Fargo. Um, did, did anybody bother to ask in the specifications how many different kinds of ATM machines there are? Oh, you just right? assume there's one. There's just one, right? Well, it's just software, right? Yeah. Okay. Is it all software buttons? Is it all hardware buttons? Are there some software buttons and some hardware buttons? Mm. Are there places where there's three hardware buttons on each side and others where there's five hardware buttons on each side? How's that arrow know where to go? Are there places where it's going to be in the rain? Are there places where there's sun behind it? Is there anything in all of this? Is this like developing for Android? Are there 190 ways that this could break? Well, all of a sudden, that doesn't seem like such a great deal unless you've specced out, walked down the coastline of how much work you're actually going to have to do for that. It's why Android seems like such a mess to develop for to me. Like, don't some have hardware buttons, some have software buttons? It's like, how could you test, how could you make something great for all of those devices? Maybe you can. But in this case, I think that's a wonderful example because let's say you're Johnny Smarty Pants and you don't need Merlin Mann's advice. Well, wouldn't you, if you were a designer, take that gig in a second? Like, well, how soon do they need it? What's their budget? Oh my gosh, it never would, I'm just telling you, Dan, as I sit here today, yeah. it never would have occurred to me to drill down on how many different devices it would have to run on. Anyway, that article focuses mostly on how they addressed that known challenge. <laughs> but my first thought was, wow, this is really interesting. My first thought, though, was, oh, my God, it would never have occurred to me to even ask. And that's why I don't deserve to get that project. And if, if you don't think charging a little more for what it's worth to cover the true cost is worth it, like, you don't deserve it either. What you deserve <laughs> is what you get. What you get is what you deserve. And what you get is what you demand. And uh, what you deserve is what your skills in the market uh, can tolerate, which is probably more than $200 for a week's mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Walk the coastline, bitches. No button this up. Let's do it. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.